Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're in Jonah chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 3 and 4. Um, Just to review quickly, we've seen already Jonah fleeing from the Lord, the consequences of Jonah's action. The Lord pursued him, came after him. Uh, Because of his disobedience, he was thrown into the sea. But even in that, the sailors were delivered and feared the Lord greatly. The Lord did not simply abandon Jonah uh, to the depths, but he sent a fish to swallow him. Jonah prays to the Lord from the belly of the fish, and the Lord delivers him. We saw last time how Jonah was called again a second time to go to the city of Nineveh, and this time Jonah responds positively. The Lord tells Jonah that he will give him the proclamation which he is to proclaim, and so Jonah rises and goes to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. This is Jonah chapter 3, and we'll look at verses 3 and 4 today. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. We talked last time about some of the options for dealing with the phrase, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. How do we understand that walk? Given the fact that in the ancient world, typically uh, individuals could travel somewhere around 20 miles per day uh, on foot, And given the fact archaeologically that the city of Nineveh at the time of Jonah does not seem to be anywhere near the size of 60 miles either across or in circumference. So we looked last time at at a couple different options. One of those options was to view the city of Nineveh and Nineveh being referred to in Jonah not just as the specific city, but the entire provincial area surrounding the city of Nineveh. Another option is to think about uh, Nineveh in regards to how long it would take in order to adequately see all of the different parts of the city. Uh, In other words, you need really three days to be able to do justice to seeing the major sites of the city of Nineveh. Another option would be to see this as an expression of speech in the Hebrew world, that it's not to be taken uh, necessarily as uh, literal physical distance, but more uh, literally metaphorical, so to speak, that it's a a figure of speech uh, that the Hebrews would have used. To say that I went somewhere on a three days journey might have been a Hebrew expression that uh, I went somewhere a great distance, a very far journey. And so just sort of a generic way to talk about the city of Nineveh as really, really big. 
What is the best way to approach this? First of all, I want to say here that this is really a, a minor issue as it relates to the book of Jonah. Uh, this is not something that makes or breaks the entire book. Second thing that I want to say is uh, I like to take this a little bit more physically, a little more literally, and I think there are some reasons to do that. At the same time, even in saying that, I can understand those who would take this as a literal expression or metaphorical ex expression because there are other places in the Hebrew Bible that talk about this three days journey. So in the book of Exodus, for example, when Moses and Aaron are talking with Pharaoh about let, let our people go so that we can worship our Lord in the, in the wilderness, they ask Pharaoh to let them go a three days journey into the wilderness. I don't necessarily think there they have in mind uh, a specific distance that they want to go. Um, I think they have in mind, let us travel for quite a distance. And it may even be in their minds, let us travel for three days, but not a specific set distance. So it may be a little bit more of an expression of speech there. The point being, we want to make sure we're far enough away so that you don't need to, you can't contact us, you can't come and get us, we're off on our own to be able to worship our God. If that is the case, I can see how this might be used in a similar fashion here in Jonah chapter 3. Nineveh is a great city, a three days journey. In other words, it's a really big city, this really enormous city that's going to take you quite some time to travel through. And these are not necessarily um, express physical distances. On the other hand... I think there might be some good reasons to take these, uh, this three days journey as being uh, much more consistent with how things played out in the ancient world. There's a, a newer scholar in the UK by the name of Radner, who is an Assyriologist who has recently written on uh, what, what she calls the Nineveh uh, Ashur Arbella Triangle. What this is, are these are three ancient cities that sort of made up a triangular area uh, during the Neo-Assyrian Empire, and the capital city sort of sat right in the center of this triangle. It was kind of like a, a tri-city area. Very interestingly, Radner concludes in, in this article that as the crow flies, and this is a, a rough quotation, as the crow flies, the distance between each of these cities is about 180 kilometers, which very interestingly, when you put that into miles, comes out right at around somewhere between 45 and 60 miles between each of these 
cities. So if these three cities are serving to kind of box in or, or triangle in, as it were, the area of Assyria, because the city of Nineveh would have been closest to Israel, it might have been most natural for the people of Israel to refer to the entire precinct, the entire area as Nineveh. That's maybe how they would have viewed it or how it would have operated. So I think that is one possibility. And if that is uh, what the author here has in mind, perhaps what Jonah would have done was would have traveled across the Furrow Crescent to the city of Nineveh and began to walk through this triangular precinct that would have had the capital city of Calhu, right in the center, and proclaim uh, God's judgment against it. Now, there are some potential issues with that. One potential issue would be we do not see the king of Assyria referred to in Jonah chapter 3. It is the king of Nineveh. We don't necessarily have any evidence that these would be synonymous terms. Is the king of Nineveh the same individual as the king of Assyria at this time? And many scholars have gone out of their way to show these were different individuals at this time. So all of this to conclude, there are a number of ways that you can interpret how this three days journey looks. And at the moment, I'm not sure that we have a very good solution to this problem, but we have several different possibilities. The wonderful thing about archeological work is that they are always pulling things out of the ground. And maybe even after this message is recorded, something will be discovered in modern day Iraq that will bring light on this ancient issue and uh, help to continue to show uh, the veracity of the word of God. Continuing on in the text, Jonah is going through Nineveh. And in, in chapter uh, verse 4, we see Jonah began to go through the city one day's journey or one day's walk. And as he went, he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, many commentators have attempted to talk about Jonah's sincerity in presenting this message. Was Jonah really giving Nineveh the message that God had given him? It seems here, on the, uh, just on a surface reading of this, that this is a very stark message of judgment with not a lot of room for any kind of, of repentance. So Jonah... Uh, is perhaps, according to these uh, scholars and thinkers, Jonah is preaching judgment to the people of Nineveh and not allowing for any kind of deliverance. He is simply saying to them, God is going to judge you. You will be overthrown. Uh, and some of them even go as far as to say, perhaps Jonah did not deliver the entirety of what God had given him to give as a message to the people of Nineveh. I think that goes beyond what is warranted by the text here. We really need to be careful when we read the Bible not to make arguments from silence or not to go unnecessarily beyond what is written to conjecture. 
it is very possible that Jonah may have uh, watered down the message. But that's not really how it's presented here in the text. God tells him in verse 2, Go to Nineveh and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. Jonah had disobeyed God once. He had tested the Lord already and ended up in the acidic stomach of a giant fish. Now, I don't know about you, but I would not want to test the Lord a second time. And so if the Lord told me to proclaim the message that he was going to give me to give to Nineveh, I would have done it word for word. I tend to think that that's what Jonah does here. Just because all that's said is yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown doesn't mean uh, that Jonah was not being faithful to do what God had asked him to do. So we need to be careful not to read too much or too little into this statement necessarily. I do think, however, that what we see uh, from a little bit later on in chapter 4 and what we've seen already in chapters 1 and 2 comes into play here again. And that is namely that Jonah is taking this message to a people that he really does not care for. And that's putting it mildly. Jonah hates the Assyrians. The Israelites and Assyrians were enemies at this time because the Assyrians were trying to take Israelite territory and the Israelites had just taken back their territory that the Assyrians had taken from them. And so I think Jonah bears some resentment as he's going to these people and proclaiming the word of the Lord to these people. And perhaps even in his heart, and yes, this is conjecture, but I think it's based on what we see a little bit later on in chapter 4. Perhaps even in his heart, he is hopeful that they will ignore his message or that his message will be received poorly. Maybe he will be even executed for this message and become a national hero back in Israel. I don't think what he is hoping is that they will receive the message and repent of their wickedness. So Jonah is taking this message to the city of Nineveh, proclaiming that judgment is coming in 40 days. Nineveh is going to be overthrown. And uh, even in his heart, perhaps at the same time, uh, really hopeful that nothing comes of this. What about us? When we share the good news about Jesus with others, are we hopeful that they will repent of their sins and come to faith in him? Or do we judge people as we share the good news with them? Things to consider. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu slash partner.